Hi everyone, it's Carrie Beach and welcome to another episode of the Traveling Pony Podcast. I want to say a huge thank you to everyone who's been supporting and listening to the podcast as well as checking out our other social medias. You can find the Traveling Pony on Facebook, Instagram, and as well YouTube where we have a new channel and you can listen to us and see what we post there. All of your support means so much and I cannot wait for you guys to listen to this week's episode. This week, I'm joined by Maureen Myers of English Ivy Farms. We talk a little bit about how she has used social media to benefit her business, and also running a barn and juggling a family and all of the responsibilities that come with that at the same time. Without further ado, let's just jump right into this podcast episode. Thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to come onto the podcast. I cannot wait to speak with you, especially since when we're at horse shows, we can talk for hours. So I'm looking forward to having a nice conversation with you today. Me too. I'm looking forward to it. So for anybody who doesn't know you, who are you and where are you currently based out of? Well, my name is Maureen Myers. I have a boutique hunter jumper farm in North Forsyth County. And you can tell I'm from Georgia because I called it Forsyth and not Forsyth. We show the locals and we've started going to some of the rated shows and we've been here for 17 years. Wow. I have two kids. I have a son who's 12 who does high level soccer, but my daughter, Bayla, some of you guys might know her. She's a 15 year old and she shows her ponies in the large greens. And we just got her a Dutch warm blood. He's a jumper that we're hoping to repurpose into a junior hunter, maybe dabble in some of the eck. He looks amazing from all the pictures I've seen. I mean, just come and join the jumper ring sometime. <laughs> he is, I've never had a horse like him. I can't find who to put him with because he was afraid of the 10-hand pony oh. today. Like he's, he reminds me of Doug from Up, like just uh-huh. a golden retriever that's just dopey and sweet and just wants everyone to love him. Mm-hmm. So we've put him with this older horse or older pony that we say is kind of like Mr. Fredrickson. So <laughs> we have Mr. Fredrickson and Doug hanging out together. And I'm like, how can you be 16-3 and you're running away from the 10-2 pony? But, you know. He's just, he's a love. He is so sweet. Uh, I really, really enjoy him. That's great. Hey, my horse that I got, he's like the opposite of it. Like (laughs) he can't go out with anybody because he doesn't like everyone. And I laugh because I've never in my life owned a horse that is so much like a cat. Like I'm jealous of the people who are like, my dog's like a a golden retriever or whatever. Mine doesn't want to be touched. He's like turning on you like, "Mm, don't touch me. So I'm a little jealous. <laughs> well, I've, I've had plenty of, you know, mares that are more like cats. And this is the first one she's had. And that's since her little pony, Rue, the one who was chasing him. Um, <laughs> that's uh, more like a golden retriever. But he's, he's, I've never had a horse like this. Like he is legit like a dog. He just mm-hmm. wants to be a friend. He's very sweet. I, I don't know. He's, he's a gem. I think he's um, a sensitive guy yeah. that probably needs to be approached a certain way. But I think he's going to be a pretty cool dude for us. I'm excited about it, for sure. I'm excited for you guys. So I'm so excited to have this conversation because I want to talk about two kind of main points. Mm -hmm. The first thing I wanted to ask you about was your TikTok, (laughs) which if anybody wants to listen to it or see the videos, you can find it under English Ivy Farms. Tell me a little bit about what exactly got you into TikTok. Like I've talked to a variety of trainers and you're going to have two sides of the conversation like Mm -hmm. some people are all for social media they realize like it can be used to their advantage and then other people I'm like hey you know did you see this trainer on TikTok and like excuse me what (laughs) so TikTok originally was musically if you know if you've been around Mm -hmm. you're an OG TikToker you know it was musically and that's my daughter Bayless was on musically so I was dabbling in it back then just to monitor her and make sure everything was you know kosher. It became TikTok and I decided to make an account to continue to monitor her because she was in like sixth grade somewhere, like mid sixth when it kind of exploded. And that's a middle school's a weird time. So I just wanted to kind of keep an eye on things with her. And then the pandemic hit. So we had some extra time. And and to me, TikTok started off like Vine and it was really funny. Mm -hmm. Totally my sense of humor, just quirky, weird, short, 
you know, bizarre sense of humor where it's just like the little things crack me up. So I, I loved it. And I said, hey, you know, we've got some extra time because there's no horse shows. There's no soccer games. Why don't we do this farm account and we'll, we'll make it, you know, appropriate for kids because I did have kids that ride with me. So we don't mm-hmm. do weird dances and there's no audio with inappropriate language or content in it. It's just funny and goofy. And we related it all to horses. And we did one film or one little TikTok, I guess, that was where you take a picture of, you recreate a picture from when you were a child. We did one sitting on Rue and, you know, every detail was exactly the same other than Bayless went from being like four to being like 15 or 14, however she was at the time. Even down to my visor was the same because, I mean, he's in the same saddle because that's Rue's saddle, right? You know, he's at the same barn because we've owned him his whole life, like it's, or most of his life. So it's like everything was exactly the same and it blew up. I, I looked today just so I could give accurate numbers. I think it has 300,000 views and like 60,000 likes. Wow. And it just kind of exploded us all of a sudden. And we started making different funny videos. And, and that's really a form of social media that I really do well is just making goofy videos that are related to the horse industry that make people laugh, you know, and mm-hmm. it makes fun of me and it makes fun of the industry. But it, I try not to make fun of, individual people really I mean of course you have stories of people from the past but if I use a person as inspiration in a story they haven't ridden with me in like five ten years Mm -hmm. I really don't do anything like kind of um, passive aggressive or anything like that through there so that's how it all kind of started we just kind of fell into it and as far as like whether or not I think you know social media is something that Barnes should be using I say this with the most respectful tone I can, but you are foolish not to be on social media. Definitely. When we were, well, not you, because you're a lot younger than me, but when I was a youngster, <laughs> um, there was this thing called Stablemates magazine, and mm. you would advertise your services in there, and it was great. They were at all the tax stores. You could even pick them up at feed stores. That was the way that you advertised. And then the internet kind of blew up, and Stablemates went defunct, and then you went on things like localhorse.com, equine.com. Dream horse, like you, th- those are the places you went to sell horses to promote your business, and that was the big thing. Mm-hmm. And then social media kind of came around, and I feel like if you're not utilizing social media to advertise, what, how are you advertising? I mean, yeah, you can go to shows and you have your banner up, and you can even, you know, uh, what's it, what's it called? You can do like a sponsor or something through a show series or in a prize list or whatever for like GHJ finals. And that's great, but that's still only showing it to the people that are at those shows who are already obviously with the barn and showing it those shows and invested into the riding. You're not getting exposure to new people. And despite what people think in this industry, I don't think we should be elitist. I think we should try to continue to encourage lots of new people into our sport or it's going to become so selective and so expensive that most of us are going to get priced out. Like we have to keep the industry from top to bottom really full, you know, and, and, Mm. and people passionate about it. Cause if you don't things like, you know, they wanted to turn Wills Park into tennis courts or whatever, like that's, what's going to happen. So if you're not using social media, I honestly don't know how you're reaching the masses. It is almost a necessity at this point. And I know that, you know, you have different platforms kind of cater to different things. And and maybe like I have a Facebook, it's only Mm. got like maybe a thousand people on it. I use Facebook to network, to find horses to buy and sell or to get, you know, feedback from other trainers about, uh, just recently I said, hey, has anybody done any prefab stalls or know anyone who can build Mm. a overflow stall situation, shed row barn for me? That's what I use Facebook for. Instagram is kind of your highlight reel. It's I'm not great at Instagram. I only have like 500 <laughs> followers or something. And but I use that to be like, hey, this is what we did at a show, or this is I, I did one today where I said, how does it, you know, 10.2 ham pony have so much hair? It's like another 10.2 ham pony. Like how is this possible? So you do funny things like yes. that too. It doesn't have to all be, you know, look how look at me, look at me, look how great I am. Um, but you go to TikTok and you know, TikTok, I have like 14 and a half thousand followers and half a million likes, Wow! which I don't know if you know this, but they say if you have a lot of likes, but not a lot of followers, it's because you're funny, but not good looking, which cracks <laughs> me up. I think that's so funny because I'm like a middle-aged 
you know, woman. She'd go to TikTok for, you know, to kind of laugh and have more of like, this is who we really are. You know, this is what our everyday's life's like. This is the silly things we do. Mm -hmm. That's going to appeal to a different audience. But I mean, TikTok is now being shown on Instagram reels, which then gets shared to Facebook. So if you're not on TikTok, you're kind of behind, you know? I see things on my Facebook that came from Instagram reels that I saw on TikTok six months ago, you know? So I think it's important to kind of, you know, get with the times and realize you have to do social media in some way, shape or form, find which one you like and do that one and at least get your, your foot in the door. And if you're an older person who's just not interested in this, I guarantee you there's somebody at your barn that you could say, Hey, can you be my social media person? And they would happily post for you. And you can always have the final say. Even in TikTok, Bayless has got access to the account and she can post things, but she always has to get approval from me that it's acceptable. Because, you know, a teenager's perspective is different than a grown adult. So, you know, I'm like, oh, no, not that one. That one's that one's a little too mean or that one's a little bit too specific or whatever. So mm-hmm. that's my long-winded answer of saying you've got to be on social media. There's no other way to really advertise. I think you have to. And it'll be interesting to see what's the next thing, like what what's going to evolve after social media, you know, where is it going to go after that? I'm not sure. It's great that you said about how everything is so different because, right, like totally I think of Instagram as more of like you said, like it's a highlight reel. A lot of times Instagram is flooded with people posting pictures from horse shows, mm-hmm. kind of showing you everything good almost. Like mm-hmm. you don't see that money like fails or anything like that on Instagram versus TikTok is definitely I don't know if you'd maybe consider a lot looser like it's where I think people come to kind of make fun of yeah (laughs) well it's it's a little more authentic you know it's not you know I I don't ever use like a ring light but I mean I don't have a ring light I don't even have makeup on half the time I mean I got a beauty filter for that you know Um, it's it is it's more authentic and that's why you know, there are a lot of Instagram influencers who are failing at TikTok. Mm-hmm. Whereas you think, I kind of say I'm the opposite. Like I'm really good at TikTok, but I'm okay at Instagram. I'm not that great. It's just a different beast almost. And, you know, you got to find what you're comfortable with for sure. But because I would agree that adults are probably still going to websites, but a lot of people, especially younger generation, are going straight to social media to find mm-hmm. you. I think the parents want to look at their website to get pricing, to see pictures of the facility and whatnot. But yeah, social media is, whether you love it or you hate it, it, it is, it's here to stay to some extent. You've got to kind of play the game. I hate to say it like that, but you got to play the game, you know? Yo, you definitely do. I mean, I think it's such a good thing that on TikTok you are more, I guess you could say, blown up or whatever, because you probably get more views because people can, like you said, see the more authentic side of you versus Instagram is totally mm-hmm. not like yes. that. So in your opinion, how has using these different forms of social media, like let's just say TikTok, because that's what you're kind of more well known on, how has it benefited you and given you more opportunities or maybe even open more doors to your business? So this is going to be another long-winded answer. So <laughs> so I think you kind of, once again, have to kind of go back to the beginning of my business. So I opened up my barn in August of 2005, and I got married October 2005. Oh, wow. And by April 2006, I, surprise, was pregnant. And I was already through my first trimester because I clearly don't pay attention to what's going on in my life. And (laughs) so I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? Because when I was a kid, women in this industry who got married and got pregnant, they left and raised their kids and then came back. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I just opened this place. I invested a lot of money building it because it's my facility. I actually own it. And I can't just leave. So I kind of had to figure out how to run a business, be newly married, and then have a baby and raise kids. And so I would say the first couple years of my business, I was just in survival mode. My head was down. I was getting it done. And I was doing a good job. But what I wasn't doing well was really networking and getting to know other trainers and kind of working with them. I just couldn't. I was just way too overwhelmed with 
you know, a brand new baby, a husband, brand new farm. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't, and I'm an introvert too. People don't always believe it, but I'm a pretty private person. That's why TikTok's kind of funny. You'll notice, you'll see a side of me, but you still don't see all of me. Like I keep my personal life very personal. What TikToking, TikToking, oh my gosh, what TikTok <laughs> did for me is it allowed me to kind of show who I was without feeling as vulnerable. Because like I said, when I was on it, it was mostly kids. Yeah, Most of our peers weren't on it. Adults really weren't on it. They were all talking about how it was, you know, this awful thing from China oh, yeah. or whatever. They were all up in a roar about that. And I'm over here making stupid TikToks and cracking <laughs> up and like, y'all need to lighten up. And what ended up happening is as people got more involved in it through the pandemic and were bored and gotten like, what's this TikTok thing? Mm-hmm. The algorithm started showing people in our area, my TikToks. And yes. next thing I know, you know, I had a couple little girls come up to me at GHA finals last year and they were like, oh my God, they're like all shy. They're like, are you the girl on TikTok? And I was like, yeah. And my kids are like, haha, you're TikTok famous. And they, <laughs> they make fun of me for it. I went to Aiken this past year. Uh-huh. Random girl walks up and is like, I know you from TikTok. And I was completely shocked. So I didn't wow. expect that in Aiken. So it allowed a lot of people kids and other adults to really start to see my sense of humor, my personality. Mm -hmm. And they really started to like me a lot more. And it's not that they disliked me before. It's just, I stayed in my lane so much. They didn't even know who I was. Mm -hmm. We always laughingly said, it's not that I had a bad reputation. I just didn't have a reputation. I just (laughs) did my thing. Now these people are like, you're so funny. And I go to shows and people seek me out and people are talking to me and They'll be like, oh, yeah, I've got this pony. I saw your, you, you were looking for a pony. You should come see it. And I've even had some people say, like, you know what? I, I know how well you take care of your horses. I know how big horsemanship is for you. Mm-hmm. I, I'll take a little off the price if your people want it. But don't tell wow. anybody. You know, I mean, that's what's happened in the past two, three years. And it's wow. all been because people have gotten to know me in a way that they couldn't before. And it's it's on their own time. You know, when you're at a horse show, you're busy. Oh, yeah. You're dealing with clients. You're dealing with horses. There's the the schedule. Like It's chaos. Now mm-hmm. people can be sitting in their bed in their pajamas, see one of my videos, and it's almost like they're interacting with me on their own time. Yeah. And I think that has been the biggest change for me is it's really let people know who I am and that I'm goofy and I'm silly and I don't take myself seriously and I don't really think anybody should. I think, you know, the pandemic to me kind of reminded me like, hey, anything can happen at any time. You should buy the horse. You should go on the <laughs> vacation. You should spend time with your family. You should, you know, enjoy life because it's not a guarantee, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think that was the biggest thing for me is it gave me the chance to network with people and that's been a lot of fun. I really liked it. Oh, no, definitely. It's amazing how, like you said, like, I I definitely do not have as many views on TikTok. And like my TikTok (laughs) typically consists of a lot of stuff for the podcast and the blog. Like I'll be like, oh, or like, I'll make a talk or a TikTok when I'm going to bring in my horses. Just be like, hey, (laughs) you know, I'm bringing my horses or whatever. But I wanted to ask you because in my mind, and I do not have a lesson program like you do. I basically have one little kid, I would say, and she's not even little kid. She's maybe like fifth grade that I do lessons with. But have you found that since it seems like, you know, social media is catering so much to kids like TikTok, that maybe you're getting more clients or like more little kids? Because I feel like when people decide to maybe switch barns, board, whatever, the kid is typically the one that's going to be like, hey, I saw this barn or I saw this trainer and they seem really nice. So have you had maybe any experiences with that where kind of TikTok or social media has pushed clients your way? I don't know. No one has outright said to me, like, I came here because of your TikToks or I Mm -hmm. I saw you on TikTok. But I do know that I've had clients that started liking videos and stuff like that and then ended up calling me. So I I can't say directly that that's why. It might have been they were interested in me, found the TikToks, liked the TikToks or Mm -hmm. whatever was Instagram, then came to me. I I think 
the biggest thing is just having a presence. It's just, it makes you seem bigger than maybe you are. Like it's all branding. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, oh, look at us. We have so much fun. And it, it at least gets them in the door. And then they meet us and they say, wow, this is a barn full of people that are nice and are friendly and there's no drama. There's no drama at my barn. I, I just don't have time for it. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> people are nice. The people are friendly. The horses are happy. It, it at least gets their gets them to like inquire for more information. But I've not had anyone directly say to me that. Again, I think what has really happened is it's given me the opportunity that when I have someone that says, hey, I need to lease a horse, I'm getting I'm getting access to nicer horses for yeah. them. And then we go show and they do better because we're on nicer horses that, you know, and there's nothing wrong with having a prospect or having a green horse, but you have a different show experience mm -hmm. on a made horse versus a green horse. So it all just kind of started this upward spiral, you know, cause like begets like. So I just started kind of, and I'm grateful to the people that have given me, their, their horses for my clients to, to use and, and have supported me. Yeah. I think, I think that's more where it's happened. I don't know that I've necessarily got more clients. It's just more like I've had more opportunities to make my clients mm -hmm. do better, which then leads to more clients. No, definitely. I swear. Like, you know, I'm not very old. <laughs> Actually, my birthday is coming up. So November 15th, right before GHA finals. <laughs> but I swear I was on Facebook when I was like 14 or 15 when mm -hmm. I was starting to do some of the green ponies because that, like you said earlier, that's the place you go to when you're horse shopping. Like I don't go to Big Eck. I don't really, you know, Dream Horse used to be a really big thing. Yeah. Facebook is if you've got good friend contacts and everything. I have found so many horses through something like Facebook that I would have never found just by like contacting a friend or texting someone and being like, Hey, what do you have? Yeah. So it definitely does play a huge role. Absolutely. It's, it's the connections and it's connecting people that you wouldn't have access to. I mean, I found our most recent horse because I posted in like a, I think it was like a WEC Ocala mm -hmm. something group or whatever Venice horse for sale group or something like that. And I said, we're going to Ocala. This are the, these are the specifications that we need to have met. And this is our budget. Who's got what we, we can come sit on. And we sat on, we saw eight horses in a, less than a day and a half. We were there mm -hmm. all day Saturday until noon on Sunday. And we, we saw eight horses. And that's something that you would be so hard to do without social media. It would be so oh, hard yeah. to, to organize all of that. So I, I definitely feel like you the networking that you're going to get from it is going to be worth more than even the couple of kids that you might pick up as students because it's just going to allow you to grow so much more while you're sitting in your pajamas, you know, in, in bed. It's it's so simple in a lot of ways. My horse that I bought, let's see, I bought him right before or maybe right when COVID was happening. And I think the market was kind of at a weird place because nobody really knew what was happening. And it was like, oh, guys, we got to sell our horses. People can't go to the barns. I bought them about that period of time. It's the same thing. I think I went on Facebook. I think I might have gone on a similar group as to you. And I posted, like, I'm going to go down to Ocala. Mm -hmm. And I met people that I would have never met before, and which led to me purchasing my horse. But, like, same thing. I sat on 15 horses on Saturday into Sunday and I would have like I didn't know these people before mm -hmm. but I was able to connect with them and a lot of these people that I connected with on that trip if I'm shopping for myself looking for something or if I'm shopping for my clients I just reach out and I'm like hey remember me I have a client who needs xyz yep. do you have this you know just people I would have never met before well, and you saying that it brought up a, a just a memory really quick is that when we went down to Ocala, I did like a cute little TikTok that was just like, you know, the horses that we sat on. It was like the jumper, mm -hmm. the baby, the eventer, because we sat on a whole variety of horses just to see what might match what we were looking for. And somebody said, wait a minute, 
was the proven hunter, this horse named, I couldn't remember the horse's name off the top of my head. And I was like, yeah, all the horses were wonderful. She was so great. And then another person said, oh, we love that horse. And I realized it was the daughter of the lady at the that owned the barn that we went and sat oh, wow. And I was like, thank you so much. We had such a great experience. And she was like, anytime. So TikTok is creepy in how it can find people and bring them back to you. I know I did a story once on TikTok too that was like, I had a really bizarre experience when someone came to look at a horse or try a horse I had mm-hmm. for sale. And I won't bore you with the details. It was just a quirky, bizarre experience. And it was involved the trainer's daughter came instead of the trainer. And and she was like, before you even ride it, I'm going to flex it. And I was just standing there shocked like this 17 year old girl is going to flex my horse and he's intact trot him off and she's like he's lame handed him back to me and got in their car and drove away and I was like you guys drove an hour and a half if you were that worried about flexions I I legitimately had the vet out here this week for Uh performance I could have had the vet flex the horse for less money than the gas probably was for there and back so it's just a funny goofy little story and some girl was like, oh, my God, that was me. And I was like, ah, no, that wasn't you. She said, no, for real. And we started comparing our, our details. It legit was the girl. She said, I came with my mom. She was so mad. We drove an hour and a half. I didn't even sit on it. It was the funniest story. So, it, you know, it just it reminds me that you can you can put yourself out there and like just the connections. It's almost like, what is that? Six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Like everybody oh, yeah. knows everybody in this industry. Uh-huh. And you know, once you know one person, you meet the next, the next, the next. So it's it's just wild. It's been a wild, it's been a wild couple of years with social media just exploding like it has. And I think you know it's um it's a fu- it's fun. I think if you look at it in that way, you can think of it as fun, or you can think of it as daunting. Mm-hmm. Like, oh god, I gotta make another stupid post. You know, like, or you could just <laughs> here's my dumb post for the day. Okay, it's it's done. I don't know. I, I think you just gotta kind of figure out what works for you and. And do it because you're missing out on a lot of opportunities if you don't. Definitely. No, my TikTok is like, like I said, it's for like my blog and I'll make like funny videos or whatever. And then it's like, I got to do my Instagram and my Facebook stuff for like the traveling pony. And it's like, oh, look, I have to go make this boring graphic. <laughs> like, Look, if people that don't, um, this is the last thing I'm going to say on social media. You got to get on social media. I run an Instagram account for my 12 year old son for soccer because colleges are going to start looking for his highlight reels. Oh yeah. I literally have to, and I don't do the greatest job, but I do like a quick little edit of him Mm. when he's playing in his games. The few that I get to go to, I always video them because that's the realities of it. Bayless has an equitation account because if she wants to ride in college, she's got to have some evidence of her riding that these colleges can look at. You know, that's, Mm -hmm. that's reality folks. That's the truth of it. So if I can run a farm Instagram, a personal Instagram, my son's soccer Instagram, which just makes me sound so ridiculous, a farm TikTok, two Facebook accounts. Did I forget anything? And I think I have a Twitter, but I never go on it. I just post to it, but Twitter's, Twitter's a mess. So, oh yeah, it's always been a mess in my opinion. So I post it, (laughs) but I never go there. So if I can figure out how to do all that. I'm sure everyone can can find one thing to do, you know? No, I have a lot of things too, and I keep adding more. And I'm like, okay, well, another (laughs) one. Let's just add it to like the seven I already have. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So switching from the social media topic, I wanted to talk to you about your experiences with not only running a barn and a business, but also doing it with your family involved. I know Bayless also helps you because I've seen her at shows and everything. Mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit about how you balance everything between barn and family life because I know for one, it's very hard. Well, I'm going to say I I don't think I do a great job. I think I do a pretty good job. I don't think I do a great job because it's just – if you have a farm like you have and like I have, it's it's a mm-hmm. lifestyle. It's not a job. Oh, yeah. It's a lifestyle. It's your entire life. I think first and foremost, you have to have a supportive partner, whether that's your parents in your situation or like my husband, mm-hmm. because it consumes you. And, and I try to do a good balance. I know, for example, with our kids, we do a lot of dividing and conquering. So my husband is the soccer dad and I'm the horse show mom. And because we can't really switch roles. My husband doesn't even know how to drive a truck and trailer. So it would be a mess. So we can't switch roles. 
Whenever I can go to soccer games, I absolutely do my best to get there to support my son. Mm -hmm. I know when Bayless goes off to college in a couple years, I will probably do yet another kind of pivot in my business to try to give me some more time to be a soccer mom because he'll be a freshman in high school. Okay. I'm not saying like I'm quitting or leaving or anything, but you know, maybe that's when I hire on an assistant to do beginner lessons and I just completely outsource that. And I take the financial hit so that I can be there for him. I think you really just have to take the time to, I don't know, prioritize what the couple things that are most important to you and focus on those and not sweat the little stuff. So my barn is meticulously clean, but my house Mm -hmm. is a disaster. You know, it's a mess. (laughs) There's clean, like, I'm always like, I don't know, there's clean clothes somewhere. Go find something, you know? Yeah. We can't keep a perfect house and a perfect barn and be at soccer five to six days a week and horse showing two or three times a month. You know, we go to locals with my people. We go to A-shows with Bayless. She does IEA. It's just impossible. So I don't go get my hair done. I don't get my nails done. Mm -hmm. I don't go shopping. Those are things that don't really matter to me. But even if they did, those are things I can do when the kids are gone, you know? So I've I've really kind of decided that the priority is supporting them and supporting the business and then you know, I don't know, in like 10 years, my husband and I will travel a whole lot, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, he always says, when we don't have horses, and I chuckle, ha, 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 like it really <laughs> happened. But I think that's what you kind of have to do is you have to set some boundaries. Like I know one of the things I did, I don't remember how long ago it was, maybe three years ago, it was before the pandemic. I had a talk with my folks mm-hmm. that I was like, listen, I'm only teaching Monday through Thursday because Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I'm either going to be at a horse show at soccer games or occasionally cleaning my house. I, I just, I have to put, like I have to put some boundaries on when I teach. And then I started doing like, I don't provide makeups. I let you guys do a tuition system. If you're a lesson student, if you own your own horse, it's different. But if you're a lesson mm-hmm. student, you do, you pay for, let's say four lessons a, a month on a Tuesday, but there's five Tuesdays. Go ahead and take that fifth Tuesday for free. Go for it. It's on the house. But next month when you're sick, you don't get a makeup yep. because I can't do all these makeups, especially when people are doing it for frivolous reasons. I can't keep working on my days off to accommodate your schedule. So, and I'm not with my family. So I think I, I just, as I grew and, and I changed, I kind of made some very strict boundaries that I have to have these days to do the things that I need to do. Uh, and that said, like today's Sunday, it should have been more of a family day. But my, my son has the flu and um, Bayless was tired because she went to a friend's party last night. So I was like, well, I'm going to body clip the two horses. So yeah, I didn't need to do that today, but I'd rather do it today than like tomorrow night, you know? So I just went ahead and oh, did yeah. it. So you got to be flexible. But when it comes to like clients, I, I put some pretty strict parameters about what I was going to allow in my program. And if it didn't work for someone, no problem. There are lots of other barns that you can go to, no hard feelings. You got to find a barn that works for you, you know? Definitely. I can't bend to your needs if it means taking away from my family, you know? So I'd say that's kind of how I balance it. I wish I was like you. Like, I wish. Well, give yourself, give yourself 10 years. (laughs) Give yourself 10 years. You'll be like a grumpy old trainer like the rest of us. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's so funny because I, that's one thing somebody I used to be with she was always that way and I used to always be like why I always wonder what it took to get to that point and as I've started to (laughs) be in this a little longer I'm like okay I'm kind of (laughs) understanding but I was talking to someone the other day and we were just talking about some there is like I think maybe you'll agree with me in this sense I I'm a I'm a people pleaser Mm -hmm. (laughs) as much as I wish I was not I am that way. And there's probably some things, and maybe this is true for you, like I would probably run my barn just like a little bit different if I didn't have borders and stuff because, right, you know, everyone wants something different. So Mm -hmm. I do try and cater a little bit towards other people. But we were talking and she was like, 
I was talking to her about one thing and she told me, she's like, Carrie, you just need to start being mean to people. <laughs> like you need to just say no. And I just sat there and I was like, I don't know if I can do that right now, but maybe like you said, maybe in 10 years, maybe I'll be able to do it. <laughs> well, I think what, what'll happen is you'll just get to a point where you're like, I have given for a, enough time mm. and I've established myself as a trainer and now I can take some of that back and set some more boundaries on what I'm going to allow because I have the reputation. I have the clientele that I can do that. And the people that believe in you and believe in your program will stay through the transition and the people that were kind of on the fence, they're going to leave. And that's probably better anyways, because they weren't going to transition into what you needed to have happen. Definitely. Yeah. I think that's kind of a natural progression. I think people go through, you know, like someone came, came to me once and said, Hey, do you still break babies? And I was like, uh, no, because I'm in my forties and I have two kids. No, go find a 20 something year old that's eager and, and yeah. willing to do it. It's kind of the same thing. Like that's the natural progression people go through. Uh, so don't beat yourself up too much about it. I think all of us were people pleaser bending over backwards, yeah. trying to be accommodating. And then you kind of get to a point where you're like, why am I still accommodating these people? Mm-hmm. Like begets like, you know, so you get the people that want you to bend over backwards. They bring in more people that want you to bend over backwards. So it's kind of just like filtering out and finding the types of people that you want in your program too. And I think too, maybe for where I'm at currently, because let's see, you, you've had your barn way longer than me for sure. Mm -hmm. I think that November 25th will officially be a year since my barn opened up. Congratulations. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, we survived a whole year. I got to make it through another Georgia winter time. <laughs> <laughs> I swear it was, I kid you not the worst time of year because it was right after COVID, but oh, yeah. it was also the worst time because like I'm a, I flourish in the summertime, like sunshine, warm, uh, I'm perfect. But in the winter time, because we'd had the property for two years before or whatever, and we had spent so much time on my pastures. They were horrible before. Mm -hmm. So I got them where they were like green and they were looking amazing. And then we had the barn open up, horses came in during winter time, and then just rained. <laughs> <laughs> and I would literally sit in my window watching my pastures just turn to mud. <laughs> I felt like I cried the same amount of tears as the rain coming down. <laughs> did, you, did you feel like a Treyu in the never-ending story in the swamp of sadness? Yeah. I, I literally sat there and I was like, no, I did I just did we just spend all this money to have these horses come out and like tear it up within a day? Not even a day, like an hour. Give them like 15 <laughs> minutes. I mean, it's yep. so rough. But for me, I know since I'm still new. I think one thing that I struggle with is, and maybe since you were probably at one point like this too, is when you're starting out, I think you also get, I don't know if it's paranoia, but you want to keep everyone because it's like, oh my God, like I need that client. Like in my head, I don't have a full barn because I don't particularly want a full barn. My property mm -hmm. really can't sustain 16 horses, which is what my barn's built for. But mm -hmm. in my mind, I'm like, oh, my God, I've got to keep that client. Like, I've got to. Like, I don't know if they left who's going to be there to fill it. So for me, it's like, oh, my God, <laughs> like, I want to keep them. So I wonder, did you maybe at one point in your life feel like that when you were starting out? Like, you've got to keep everybody. Oh, girl, I felt like that like two <laughs> years ago. Are you kidding me? Because it's it's it is such a hard industry because you are – you are, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You are almost like beholden to mm. the economy. You're beholden yeah. to just people's interest in general, their willingness to spend on their kids. Like I had a person say to me once, and if they hear this podcast, I'm not talking bad about you. You're just a good example. <laughs> she said to me, we would never be able to own a horse. And I'm like, I get that. It's expensive. Yeah. And then the husband showed up unexpectedly to watch the daughter's lesson in a brand new first, like the first edition Teslas that were like a hundred thousand dollars. And I was like in my head thinking, ma'am, you can absolutely afford a horse. Yep. You're just choosing to spend your money elsewhere, which is legitimately acceptable in your business. Mm -hmm. But let's call a spade a spade. You know what I mean? Let's be honest yes. here. And you know, you, you kind of get 
frustrated because you're stuck with this industry where so many variables you can't control the weather, Mm -hmm. the hay prices, like anything, diesel prices. You're so beholden to other things and you kind of struggle because you want to keep all the clients because you're so worried financially. And this is where if random unsolicited piece of advice here, I say jokingly and maybe not that the first mistake I made in this industry is I married for love and not money. (laughs) Because if you have really strong financial support from either a significant other or your family or whatever, Mm -hmm. you can be more picky. But there are times that you're like, I just got to take whomever just to pay the bills, right? Yes. But I kind of felt like I got to a point where I was like, I would rather eat ramen noodles. (laughs) I would rather tell my kids, sorry, our Christmas is just that we're together and we're happy and we're healthy. I would rather mm-hmm. do all of that. Stop horse showing with my daughter, quit soccer, then continue to accommodate people that I didn't feel like were valuing me and mm-hmm. do, paying me what I felt like I, I don't want to say deserved, but like I had earned at that point. Like I yeah. paid my dues, I'd worked hard. And I would say, I guess it was like 2020. It was, no, it was after the pandemic. Maybe it was like a year and a half ago. I did a massive like shift and I was like, oh, it was like a year ago. I was like, no, this is, I'm not doing this anymore. I completely revamped my program. I didn't kick anybody out, but I said, hey, this is kind of what we're going to and we're phasing it out. So I just want to make you aware. Mm -hmm. Interestingly, a lot of people were kind of fizzling out anyways, because you know, I had a bunch of once a week lesson students who were never buying horses. Yep. They were never moving out of the lesson program and they were just using up my lesson horses. Mm-hmm. And there's definitely programs that that's what they do. They don't do boarding. They don't do horse showing. They just do lessons. And that's where those people needed to go. And I needed people who were more dedicated. So I changed my attitude and I just said like, listen, like it's twice a week lessons. You guys are here in order to move into horse ownership that's what we're doing. It's what has to happen for my program to grow into what I need it to be to support my daughter and to Mm -hmm. support my family financially. And I was terrified and (laughs) it was rough for a couple of, I mean, I would call my, my mom and be like, mom, I (laughs) I did the right thing. And I'd be like freaking out. But I swear to you, it was like, what do all the kids talk about? It was like a jump in the timeline. Like I jumped to a different timeline yeah. where within, well, I guess I did that. And then like three or four months later, all of a sudden I had all these people, like two of my clients started half leasing horses oh, wow. and wanting to horse show. I had two new, a new boarders show up. I had another person ask me to help them find a horse to board with me. And now I have to build overflow stalls. <laughs> So I, I, and you hear it from people, you hear people say like, oh, you just got to do it. And in your mind, you're like, oh, whatever lady, like I can't afford to do uh-huh. it. Try to get to a point where you can say, I'll be okay for a month or two to put my foot down and change. Cause what happened is as I had more people wanting to buy and show, they brought in their friends who want to yep. buy and show. And that I said it like four times already, like begets like. So now I have people that want to go and do more. And all of a sudden I got these kids that are showing once a month. We're horse showing. My horses are killing it. We're winning champion reserve. I'm like, I swear to you, I jumped timelines. I don't know what happened. <laughs> and we you know it, Bela started going to the A shows and I think that helped our street cred. You know, it's, so it's just a lot mm. of things happened. Like the stars aligned, but it all came. Cause I just, I was fed up with feeling like, people weren't valuing me and I needed to change that. And I had to change it within me. Like I couldn't expect other people to change. I had to change within me what I expected and what I was going to allow. And then the rest just kind of happened. And I don't know how we went from TikTok to like philosophical, but (laughs) that's what happened. But that, that, so I, I totally get where you're at. Like I have been there. I think any trainer who tells you you haven't been there is lying. We've all been there. But you do kind of get to a point where you just, you trust the process. You trust that it's going to work out, you know, you do. Mm-hmm. And you let go of the clients that aren't really working for you. Well, that's actually one of the reasons why I made the podcast. And I was like, okay, you know, with my horse having surgery and I don't really have too many clients like 
a ton of clients like I did before just because of life and circumstances mm-hmm. and things happening that you can't control. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to make the podcast and the blog because I was like, I also kind of decided in my head early on that I don't trust horses. <laughs> and some things this year between my horse having a tumor and having a surgery and he's still like not 100% and, you know, I can't really jump him or do anything with him for, I don't know, at least probably four or five more months. And then some other things happening with clients' horses. I just was like, I want to somehow make another source of income or just have it where, like you said, like, I don't want to have to necessarily feel like in the future, like, I've got to have all these people like my ideal world. (laughs) And maybe this is just me because, like, I'm an introvert, too, really. Mm -hmm. I'm really shy. Most people don't realize that. But like, once I meet someone, I'm like, okay, you can't get me to shut up. Mm -hmm. But I would love to one day have my barn just kind of be like myself and have sales horses. Like I love sales horses. I would love to get back into the sales horses side and maybe not have that many lesson kids. But right now it's like, you know, we're in the, we're in the beginning stages. And <laughs> Oh gosh. You like ask any trainer, they'll say, what's your goal? And they're like to go back to being amateur. Are you kidding me? That's everyone's yes. goal. People said to me, what are you going to do when Bayless goes off to college? And I, I said, I quit. I quit. I'm not doing this without her. She's so fun. I I don't know what I'm going to do when she goes to college. And I'm not really going to quit. But like I said, I could see me doing another one of these pivots and changing mm-hmm. things because it's a hard life. And and Bayless has no interest in going pro. Zero. She wants to be an amateur. Because she said, I just see how hard you work. And it's it's a lot. And I think in her mind, she's like, she'll just take care of my horse forever. So, you know, yeah. she gets free board. Like, of course. Like, it's... She'll be living the life that I wish I had lived, but you know, yes. that's okay. That's okay. You know, it's funny you say that because it kind of ties into what I was going to ask you next, but I have found that I'm just trying to think like off the top of my head, a vast majority of the trainer kids that I have talked to don't want to go pro. I can think of quite a few off the top of my head and they've told me like, I don't want to go pro. It's a lot of work. I can stay as an amateur. You know, you've got so much experience from being a trainer's kid that it kind of helps you out being an amateur. You get a little bit of a leg up, but it's funny because they've just told me they're like, it's a lot of work. I would never want to do that. Yeah. Cause I think it's almost like actors, kids or whatever you see the reality day to day. You know, if you're, if you're a kid that wants to be an, an actor you just see the highlight reel. You see the wonderful parts about it. But when you're the actor's kid, you you see it all. And oh, yeah. yeah, I think it's just, I think they realize they could have, they could almost have the best of both worlds. You know, once again, mm-hmm. the biggest drawback of being an amateur is the time to ride and the money to support that, especially if you're getting married, yes. having a family. If you're a trainer's kid, you've got, a significant person in your life that can help with the riding and you've got much more uh, affordable care for the horse. So Mm -hmm. I feel like if you're a trainer's kid and you stay Amy, you've kind of got the best of both worlds, you know? So definitely when I grow up, I want to be my daughter. That's what I want to be. I want to be living the best (laughs) life like her. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. I mean, it's funny you said that, though, before that I had, was talking to someone the other day and they just they said something to me and it, it was just kind of a comment. And I was like, OK, and it was something about how I like you said, I very fortunate to have what I have at a young age. And it was something along the lines of like, oh, well, you have all this type stuff. And I just sat there and after a few minutes, I just said I was like, you know, you only see a very small majority of what goes on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like there's so many more hours, like, you know, between the spending the time outside and doing with the horses. Like I'm lucky if I get to go out to eat once a mm-hmm. week and that's my party time. Right. <laughs> but and most people don't think that like most people are like, Oh, well, and maybe in your case too, like you've got a bar and you've got all these horses, like life must be so good. You must have all this, maybe free time, which I don't think most horse people would think they'd have free time, but maybe, (laughs) but it's like, you know, they think the life is so grand, I guess. And as somebody who's in it and like you, like 
it's there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes that nobody will ever yeah. see. You and we live on our property. Our house is separate from our barn, but we live on the property. Mm-hmm. So Bayless has literally grown up living at the barn. Uh, I, I couldn't even tell you when they were really little. Again, I didn't have the the choice to leave my program. So like I taught lessons. I think I was back after Bayless was born, like two or three weeks. Oh wow! I had her with my son. I was back a week later teaching lessons. You know, they were in the little baby Bjorn facing forward, then facing out, then like in the backpack. And, you know, I taught them what next and a cross and all that was by whose stall are we cleaning next? Because they would clean stalls with (laughs) me. And I, I, this is my favorite kind of stories is like Bayless went to, I think, 15 or 18 horse shows weekends the first year of her life. She went to her first show when she was six weeks old. Wow. And she stood up at Falcon Ridge. You know when they stand up for the first time? Falcon Ridge. Uh-huh. Um, she learned to walk a few days before Brownwood Halloween because <laughs> I was teaching a lesson and she was picking flowers from one flower box in our ring and then walked over the other. And the adult writer was like, I think she's walking. And I was like, oh, looky there. Didn't get it on video or anything. And then she was mad at the show because we wouldn't let her in the hunter ring to pick flowers where people were schooling. Cause I was like, you're going to get squished. Yeah. Huge temper tantrum. I mean, they've grown up in it. They see the sides of it. Nobody sees. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't live on the property, you even still don't know. Oh yeah. And, and that's <laughs> where, you know, some of the trainers live off property and, and that's a different experience, not better or worse, just different. But we've literally lived it. I mean, she's lived mm-hmm. it since the day she was born. So for better or worse, you know, she's really seen the ins and out of the industry. Oh, yeah. I live I live too on property. Like my house to my barn is a very short distance to the point like <laughs> – So for my house, my living room where I, you know, do all my work and everything on the computer and like eat breakfast literally looks out over the pastures. Like I see mm-hmm. the horses when they're outside. Mm-hmm. And if I walk out my front porch and turn left, I see my barn, my ring. Like it's mm-hmm. very, we've got woods. So yes. And we've got an extra little house and some other stuff. So there are things blocking it, but it's so close. And I remember when we decided to buy this property that we bought, a trainer came up to me and I was just like, oh, well, I'm going to build this barn and my I'm going to live there and it's going to be great and all this type of stuff. And they told me point blank, they were like, good luck. That is going to be one of the hardest decisions you're ever going to make in your life. They're like, you know, you see your clients 24-7. They will show up at your front door. <laughs> there are no boundaries. And I, at the time, I was like, it can't be really that bad. But yeah, you definitely see a different side. Like it's 24 seven. I wake mm-hmm. up and I walk outside in my pajamas and I'm like, all right, time to feed the horses. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I fed horses. It, it keeps changing depending on the kid's school schedule. Cause now I had one in elementary and one in high school. Now I have one in mm-hmm. middle and one in high school. So the times all change, but I have consistently gone to the bus stop, fed and fed and turned out horses, taken the other one to school or vice versa. It's a, but it allowed me to be able to be a full-time mom and a full-time barn owner mm-hmm. because I lived on property. You know, I, I think if I didn't live on property, it would have been a very different experience for everyone. And and I think, you know, I think there's been a lot of good to my kids growing up here. So I wouldn't change it. Oh, yeah. You, you definitely get some different experiences. Mm-hmm. And I like my point of view. I get to save some money. <laughs> I don't have to hire somebody to help on my board because right. it's still smaller size too. And I'm like, all right, <laughs> I everything's down to a T on timing. Like I know exactly what time my horses are outside. Yep. <laughs> I got it all down. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to ask you a quick question because like we said before, you train your daughter Bayless and everything. Mm-hmm. In a few of the other trainer-daughter combinations that I have seen, they go two different ways. <laughs> you either work great together, or most of the time, I've seen these trainers don't teach their daughters. Mm. They usually end up sending them off with some other trainer because they say, you know, they don't work well together, or it turns into an argument or whatever. So do you ever feel like there's been a point in your relationship with your daughter as 
maybe a coach and also her mother that has been strained because of something that you might have said or something that you might have had to do as your trainer to benefit her? Like, how do you two work together as that type of combination? So I, I, if you're a person that believes in like past lives, mm-hmm. then I will tell you, Bayless and I, this is not our first go around together. Somewhere in the past, she and I were like best friends because we are so compatible. We get along so well. And that has made a huge difference in our ability to work together. It reminds me a lot of like Janet and Lauren, like, you know, Mm -hmm. Lauren Whistle, Janet Salem. We have a very similar dynamic and that we get along really well together and we're very complimentary to each other. So I don't feel like it's ever been strained because of something that I had to coach her through. She's very good of when we're in the ring it's not personal. We're here to work. And I have different roles between trainer and mom. I definitely feel like she would have probably be an even better rider than she is today if she rode with somebody else more consistently, Mm -hmm. simply because as her mom, I think that it's not that she doesn't try as hard for me. It's just, there's that little like, desire to impress and dig deep when you're writing for somebody else. Yeah. You know, and I don't, I don't want that to say that I think that, you know, I did a bad job or she doesn't listen or anything. Cause it's not, it's just, I feel like she would have had a little more incentive to push a little harder to impress somebody else. She knows I'm going to love her no matter what happens, mm-hmm. but that just wasn't in the cards for us. But now that she's got this new horse, I'm, I'm going to start seeking out other people and asking for, some more input because I feel like I've given it a good run. I've been teaching her Mm -hmm. exclusively for about 15, 16 years. Wow. It's time for some other input, but she and I are very compatible. So I don't think that it's ever, we've ever had a problem because of it. In fact, there was, there's a story I'll share. We were at a show once and I don't remember what happened, but something happened in the ring and she came out a little upset with her performance. And I kind of talked her through, I said, well, what went wrong? What could we do differently? How do you think you're going to fix that problem? Now let's go in and try it again. And uh, another trainer came over and was just like, hey, I just wanted to tell you, I, I love watching you coach her and I love watching you guys work together because you're so respectful and you're so kind and you're so patient. And you don't see that a lot of times mm-hmm. with mother, daughter, trainer situation. Yes. And I was like, oh, I guess you don't. Like I was oblivious. I was like, oh, I guess you're right. And it was just a very nice compliment. But I don't know. I don't think there's ever been anything like that. But I, if I could go back in time and do it all over, I would outsource some more help for her simply to help her reach her fullest potential. And it's why she does IEA with a different trainer. She's with um, Julie Moore with her team. Mm -hmm. She's with, you know, Britt Moore's farm um, team because I just wanted her to have an opportunity to be with a different coach. And then also when we go to shows, I just get to be mom and I get to video and I get to shine shoes and I get to help her have her stuff and I get to bring food and set up the tables and stuff. You know, I don't have to be the coach, which is nice. Um, Cause she does complain. She's like, I never have any videos of me horse showing. And I was like, well, I can't video and coach. It's impossible. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm so sorry. I can move one or the other. And like I said, we're dividing and conquering. So dad's not there to do it. Mm-hmm. off a soccer game. So I guess that would be my answer is that there's not been any strain uh, between us. And she's funny. She cracks me up. So and we always have crazy <laughs> adventures. So it's we have a good time together. Yeah, that's kind of how my mother is for me too. And that's, it's funny you say that about the recording thing, because back when I used to show a lot more when I was a junior and one of the ways I was able to afford showing was by grooming. Mm-hmm. And I used to always be like, I had this little green pony that I was trying to sell for a while. And I used to tell her, or what was it? Oh, my last GHA finals as a junior, I catch rode a horse for JD Pounds because my horse was out. And for us, GHA finals was uh, so (laughs) it's a lot for most people. But Uh if you're grooming, it's a lot more. And we had, I think think maybe 15 horses at the show and it was me and her and I was showing my large green pony in the large division Mm -hmm. and then I was showing another horse in the 15 through 17 in X challenge and JD pounds and for that night pounds I think the barn had three or four other people in it besides me Mm -hmm. 
So I remember I had to like tack up all of their horses. I had to do all that type stuff. And then I finally got on to go to school and I did my round or whatever. And I don't think I got called back that year, but I had a good round on the horse that I was riding. And I remember she like ran up and I asked her, I was like, did you watch it? And she was like, no, I wasn't able to because same thing. Like I was like, oh, I would have loved for you to watch it because it was my last class mm-hmm. and the last time I really did a lot of showing. She's like, no, I was taking braids out of the other horses and all that type stuff. So it's definitely nice if you don't have to play all of the roles. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's a challenge to balance it all out. So I have just a few last little quick questions for you. So are there any memories that stand out to you, particularly throughout this whole process? I would say all the memories I have with Bayless doing these ridiculous adventures when we go to A-shows. I mean, if you follow my TikTok, you might have seen that I accidentally drove through the Walking Dead set (laughs) at Jet Hills, and I was so tired and confused. I was like, that's a really weird entrance for Chad Hills. It's so bizarre. I drove down. I was like, looks like something from The Walking Dead. And as we're driving through it, they're building it and staring at me like, what an idiot. I didn't have a horse trailer. It's just my truck. And we cracked up. And then the next time we went to Chat Hills, we saw Childish Gambino slipping a Slurpee at the QT or whatever. (laughs) Things like that always happen to us. We went to a restaurant in Aiken straight from the show, Dirty and Gross. Didn't realize it was kind of a nicer restaurant. But, you Mm. know, it's very horse friendly there. So they were like, no, no, it's fine. We can seat you, but it's prom night. We're going to hide you in the corner because you oh smell. <laughs> and I was like, my bad. I mean, just, the dumbest stuff always happens to us when we go on these trips. And we just always laugh about it and just enjoy ourselves because you just never know. Like I said before, you never know what life's going to throw at you. Mm-hmm. You just got to roll with the punches and just have a good time. So I would say all the memories I'm making with her have been really nice and fun. I, I'm going to be really sad when she goes off to college and leaves me to do these adventures on my own, but it'll be okay. It'll be okay. That's just what you got to tell yourself. I know. (laughs) As I cry myself to sleep. (laughs) So are there any mentors that come to mind that have not only shaped your business, but who you are today? So I was a working student when I was in college. I was writing for Kat DeMoss Mulkey out okay. in Athens. And I was a working student for Ann Keenan. And I would say the two of them probably influenced my writing so much. They taught me a lot about biomechanics and really writing forward um, and really just shaped me to understand and see things more from a horse's perspective. And I really, really... I just value their their lessons so much. And Anne has worked with Bela some. Kat has worked with Bela a little bit. She actually took our pony to a boot camp for a week, and then we went and horse showed with her, and that was a lot of fun. That was a good okay. experience. Trying to get Kat to come out and do some clinics here. I would say Janet Salem at Patchwork has always been a really great person to kind of bounce ideas off of. I mm. feel like she runs a very – very successful business. You know, she, she's not afraid to say what she needs to have done and to do things her way. And I felt really validated with, when I made that kind of transition and change, I really felt like validated in doing it after talking with her. So I really like talking with her and speaking with her, getting ideas from her. And she's a vast amount of knowledge too, in and out of the ring. And then my best friend is Alex Liss Vegas. She used to be a trainer for a little while. Now she's having a bundle of children. She's just been a wonderful support system. So, you know, how I said I wasn't that great at networking. Alex is the opposite. Everyone knew Alex. Everybody loves Alex. And it's great to just have somebody to talk to that she continues to learn about body work stuff. So she'll talk mm-hmm. about nerve release and she'll, she has a magna wave and she like, will come and do Aurora, uh, Bayless's pony. Then she'll be like, mm-hmm. put it on you. And she's been great too. So I feel like that group of people has really helped me get to where I am now. Also shout out Amy Gall, because she's such a sweet gal and she's always there to support me and just a good group of people. I mean, I've tried to surround myself with people that are positive and supportive and are trying to lift people up because you are the company that you keep, you know? 
definitely that's a hundred percent true so the last type of question i have for you is if you could give advice to anybody who's listening what would you say so that's not specific to horses so i'm just going to make it general so i would say is to remember that everything in life is temporary so if things are going rough with your business just keep doing what you're doing it's got to change it can't stay the same if everything's going great appreciate it because it's not always going to be going great you know if your horse is doing amazing enjoy every minute of it because you never know if they come in you know with a bow tendon or something you know oh yeah just, everything is temporary so enjoy the good and and just kind of put your head down and work through the bad because it will change and that's kind of how i've lived my life i think always but a lot since covid is like nothing is going to stay the same so just hang on for the ride you know enjoy what you can find happiness in the little things all right well, that's the end of the little questions I have for you, but I wanted to ask you one more thing. Mm -hmm. If anybody who's listening to this podcast wanted to find you on social media, where can they find you and under what name? Oh, gosh. Hold on. I got to look it up because you're acting like <laughs> I know what I'm talking about. Um, I think I'm English IVGA on Instagram. Okay. If you want to see how perfect we are. <laughs> and then on TikTok... Um, it's just English Ivy Farms. Okay. And then that's pretty much, I mean, you can find me on Facebook, but that's not as exciting as the other two. So. <laughs> <laughs> and don't even bother going to Twitter. It's a dumpster fire. Just oh, yeah. Sleeping dogs lie over there. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to come on the podcast. I You're welcome. love talking to you. And I know that the next time I see you at a horse show, I will probably spend like two or three hours talking to you like last time. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, I'm going to be there this weekend and next weekend. So. Okay. Are you going to be at GHA finals? Yes. All right. I don't know if the new guy's coming. Okay. I don't know. But definitely the pony who hates Will's Park is coming and then uh, other clients bring in her horse. So, And then we'll, we're at the horse show this weekend with some littles. It's the last big show yes. for the littles and the beginner ring. So super excited about that. Well, I will definitely stop by and say hello. And I will also, hopefully, I think the plan is to be doing some press coverage for GHA finals. That's fine. So if I if I have my camera and I see you or if I see Bayless, I might ask you some questions and do a little vlogging stuff with you guys. <laughs> you totally should. You should talk to Bayless and make her answer questions. That'd be funny. Oh yeah. Oh I will. Well like I said, thank you so much. Yeah, thank and you so much. I hope you have a great rest of the day. You too. Thanks. I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast episode. A huge thank you to Maureen again for taking time out of her busy schedule to come and talk to me on the podcast. If you guys enjoyed this podcast episode, make certain to leave a review and a rating wherever you're listening. As well, make certain to check out some of our other podcasts interviews and make certain to follow the podcast all it takes is a little push of a button and you're supporting us in more ways than you know if you also want to check us out for our blog posts and all that fun stuff make certain to look at the travelingpony.com on there you will find blog posts as well as other fun little things that are going to be popping up there very soon I hope you guys have a great rest of the week and I hope that you guys enjoyed this episode and please let me know your thoughts Without further ado, I'll ask the last question that everyone has. Where would the traveling pony be next? <laughs>